This morning, I'd like to talk about uh, how we can deepen our relationship with God. That is my goal for us. And I've got three points in my outline. The first of them is, what does it mean to have a relationship? And the second is, Jesus became a man. And the third is, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'll flesh those out in a while, what I'm going to be talking about in that. So, the first of them, what does it mean to have a relationship with someone? And uh, I want to say that to have to have a relationship, first of all, you have to have some understanding of how they're feeling and be able to have some kind of empathy with them. So, uh, can you have empathy with this guy? Like, can you like sit, think, how is this? How is he feeling? What's going on? A little difficult, isn't it, with reptiles? People who tell me that they have a relationship with their pet snake. You know, I'm a little cynical about that. But, but let's move. With mammals, it's a little easier. Can you kind of feel a little bit of empathy there, and maybe, maybe a little bit? Um, but um, with 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 people, our brains are wired to to have a connection, and we just see somebody, and we can just relate to what's going on there, and uh, uh, have some understanding. So, uh, and then here's a, I don't know what this guy's laughing about, but he's very excited about it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, yeah. So. We've, we're, we're wired for, for empathy with faces. We can look at somebody, we can feel that empathy that's coming through. And so, going back to this question, what does it mean to have a relationship with someone? I want to suggest that, first of all, we have some understanding of how they're feeling and have some empathy. And the second is that they understand how you're feeling. Even little children, um, even when they're very young, they may know how whether you're upset or not. They have some idea, you know, how is mommy feeling or how is daddy feeling? They can kind of tell. But for a deep relationship, you need the other person to be able to connect with you. You need to be a two-way thing. Uh, so uh, the, the third thing then is we, you need to two-way communication, which I'm going to come back to. So back to our outline then. Uh, what does it mean to have a relationship it's been talking, that's basically what I've just covered. And now I want to talk about how Jesus became a man in part so that we could have a deep relationship with him. And then I'm going to come to my challenge. So, what does that mean? Well, let's look at a, a, a verse in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the key point this is making is that Jesus has been, as a person, has been able to sympathize with us because he has experienced what we have experienced. Now, uh, in a moment, as I said, we're going to watch some clips from the Nativity movie, and I'll talk about those in just a minute. But first of all, I want to read the scriptures that this movie is based on. So when we watch it, we're going to be able to cue into the scriptures. So Chajit is going to come up now and read this passage from uh, a chunk from Luke's chapters 1 and 2. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... 
the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of this greeting. So the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And look, your relative Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son in her old age. Although she was called barren, she is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary said, Yes, I am a servant of the Lord. Let this happen to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary got up and went hurriedly into the hill country, to a town of Judah, and entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. This was the first registration, taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Now there were shepherds living nearby, uh, living out in the field, keeping guard over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were absolutely terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Listen carefully, for I proclaim to you good news that brings great joy to all the people. Today your Savior is born in the city of David. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among people with whom he is pleased. When the angels left them and went back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, that the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. When they saw him, they related what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were astonished at what the shepherds said. But Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. So the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as they had been told. If we could get the lights, please. We're going to watch the movie now. And uh, 
just one thing to say about the movie. The, what I've done is because I, it's, it's, a, it's a feature film, it's under copyright, but I want to be able to dist- distribute it freely, so I've actually got freely available clips uh, that are on the internet put out by the company. I've pieced them together to show you the highlights of the movie. And actually, there, there's a lot of them. It's about eight minutes we're going to watch now. And uh, what I'd like to uh, particularly uh, you to notice in this is that the, the movie is very different to last week's one, which sticks exactly to the scriptures. This one is exploring the fact that, that Jesus was born to human parents and what that must have been like for them, what the, those human things surrounding Jesus' birth. So what was it like for Mary? What was it like for Joseph to discover that his wife was already pregnant? What was, the, what was that like? So that's what I want you to pick up on as we watch this movie. prophetic king this man who will defeat me the greatest of kings born in the most humble of places do not be afraid Mary you have found favor with God you will give birth to a son says you will stay with us for another year. Then you will go into his house. You will consider him your husband now in all manner except that which leads to family. On that you must wait. I'm building a house. Enough for family. says I was to remain pure for a year. How is he to believe this? Stay with us then. We will pray for guidance. Elizabeth, why is it me God has asked? I am nothing.
Joseph. Joseph. An angel told you this, that you would bear the son of God. Mary. Elizabeth had a baby, even in her old age. Elizabeth has a husband. Women have been put to death for this. They could stone you in the street. Do you understand? You should have stayed with Elizabeth. Father. Father. I've broken no vow. Oh, you have broken every vow, Mary. Was it one of her soldiers? Was it? I have told the truth. Whether you believe is your choice. Not mine. Mary. And you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from the sins. the father I will declare him as my own people they will not look at you the same they will not look at us the same you are my wife I am your husband that is all anyone need know Must travel to Bethlehem. I'm going with my husband. He's moving. You've never really told me of your dream. A dream? <laughs> no, please. Tell me. The angel came to me. And he told me the child within you had been conceived by the Holy Spirit. I should not be afraid. Are you afraid? Yes. Are you? Yes. <laughs> Do you ever wonder when we'll know? No. No one. When he's more than just a child. Will it be something he says? I look.
Yeah, so one of the things I like about that is the questions. What must have been like for Mary and Joseph? I was talking to Tom on the way over. You know, you've got, they've got a baby and it never does anything wrong. Well, if it's your first child, maybe you think that's normal. Uh, what must it be like, though, as he says, will I be able to teach him anything? And Jesus really was a child. He really grew up. And he experienced all the things that you and I experience in our lives. Uh, so uh, we have somebody who became a man so that we can have a deep relationship with him. Um, so, um, I mean, Jesus must have been sick at times. Uh, he must have been times when he was lonely. Um, maybe, well, we know he was exhausted sometimes when he was asleep in the bottom of the boat. Uh, he was... Uh, um, he probably bored at times, um, uh, treated unfairly, maybe was embarrassed. Did, he, did Jesus ever have migraines? I, I, I had one yesterday and I was thinking, yeah, Jesus probably experienced that sort of thing. We don't really know a lot about him growing up for the first 12 years. We know about the experience of the temple when he was 12. But um, uh, it does say that he grew in favor with God and man and that he was submissive to them. He would have woken his mum up in the night, you know, and he would have, you know, it would have disrupted their sleep because, you know, that's how babies have to, that's how they, that's how they have to survive. So, um, so what I want to challenge you to is, and I'm not going to speak for much longer now, I just want to challenge you to deepen this relationship. And the reason I've done this exercise with you is because it's very important how you visualize God when you're praying to him. Um, you know, sometimes we may visualize God as this vague, vaguely friendly old man or this terrifying, monstrous creature or there's different ways of doing it. But if you'd met Jesus, imagine you'd been on earth with him, you'd met him and you talked to him, you'd had conversations, then when you prayed, you would be able to relate to him very differently, wouldn't you? Because you'd have him in your mind's eye. I mean, if I, if I'm, um, calling Anne on the phone, then I have a visual of Anne. I know what she's like, and even though I'm speaking to her on the phone, I very clearly know what she looks like. And it's the same with us and our and our friends. We have this connection with them because we can imagine them visually. Um, and this is very important. If you'd met him, you could imagine looking into his eyes and seeing his face. Can you imagine what it'd be like looking into Jesus' eyes, just looking into his eyes and seeing his love for you. Can you imagine that? Well, we'll come back to that point in the end. But this is very important because some people pray to a picture of Jesus. And uh, I, God doesn't like us do, doing that. God doesn't like us kind of making artificial representations of him. Worse still, some pray to a statue of him crucified, you know, dying on the cross. But, of course, he's not on the cross anymore, so that's even, even less helpful. Um, but the reason God doesn't do this is because there's a much better way 
Jesus actually came to give us a, an image of what he's like through all the stories. So although we can't visualize like the shape of his face, we can imagine him as a person through all the stories that he read, that we, we, we have available to us. And uh, these stories are the best pictures to fill our minds with. So I'm going to just ask some questions again. What stories are there that you can think of of Jesus that give you like a, a taste of who he is and what it would be like to engage with him? Some emotional, empathic connection with him. What stories are there in the Bible? Oh, another one, speaking at the woman at the well. You know, here's this woman who's an outcast, and he comes and speaks, and she's shocked that he would speak to her. Um, compassion on the hungry crowds. You know, they, they haven't eaten, and he's compassion for them. Um, weeping over Jerusalem, who rejected him. Exhausted in the bottom of the boat in the storm. Stopping for blind beggars who are calling out. Weeping at Lazarus' death when he saw people's grief. Angry with the hypocrites. Tempted like us. Now, of course, um, this is mostly, the, I've got mostly the positive things here. There's the negative, which is the tempted. But if you think, he must have, he was single and he must have been lonely at times. And it must have been hard for him at times just to be lonely and, and single. Uh, the, the, the verses that we had earlier speak to this. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's pretty strong, isn't it? So we're not told the details, but Jesus was tempted. Temptation isn't wrong. It's when you give into it that's wrong. And it says every kind of temptation. And, uh, you know, I've been tempted where somebody, I really want to be angry at that person. Really, you've tempted to really kind of do something which shames them. And Jesus would have been tempted to do things that shamed people, to do things that really, and he could have, couldn't he? He could have really wiped the floor with somebody. He was tempt, he would have been tempted to give that sharp, clever reply that just destroys a person. He would have been tempted to have, have, um, done all kinds of unloving things. Uh, and all of those temptations were real. And we can think, oh, no, he just serenely walked through life with no problems. But no, he knows what it's like for you when, yeah, you shouldn't really be thinking like that. That's not the right thing. And those temptations came to him and he survived them all. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I want to really uh, focus on this because this is a command that we are told to draw near the throne of grace. And this is the challenge that I have for you today. My challenge is that you should, you should develop a clear image of Jesus that will enable you to draw near to him, to come to him, to come in prayer. And of course, we, we come to the Father as well as we're praying. But it says, draw near to the throne of grace. Jesus is with us. He's our high priest to find mercy. And this is, this is, I think, is a crucial step in our Christian life. And if you've got one thing that you want to challenge yourself for 2019, I would say a good one would be to draw nearer to the throne of grace to draw nearer. And the way this verse says to do it is through confidence that Jesus can sympathize with you. That if you really know, 
that he can sympathize with you. You really know that he knows what it's like for you. Then you will have this confidence. Now, when I showed you those pictures earlier of the little boy that's crying and the other child that's laughing, something in us resonates with that and we kind of, we feel that. And Jesus looks at you and he feels like that. When you're crying, he can feel that, ah, oh, she's crying. Poor Ruth, she's crying. Suggest that he's so full of joy. Yes, that's good. So he, he, uh, Jesus resonates with us because we are we are in this relationship with him. So this is very important. Hebrews 4 tells us this is really important to draw near to the throne of grace by having a sense of a reality of relationship. He empathizes with us. And I'd like to end on one further note, and I'm going to give you a fourth point on my outline. Um, Challenge to deepen the relationship. The fourth one is your destiny is to look into the eyes of Jesus and see them filled with love for you. That's your destiny. In eternity, you'll be able to look in his eyes and see that love. If you lived on earth with him, imagine you were, you were, uh, Peter and you just failed him so badly. And then you have that time when John, when, um, John and the other disciples are there and there's Peter and Jesus restores him and looks into his eyes. Computer would never forget that. This Jesus just loves me. And he looks into my eyes. And you want to say your destiny is that Jesus will look face to face with him and, and you'll see that love filling his eyes for you. And that is what we engage with because he is a man. A uh, couple of verses to support this assertion. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Unveiled face, the idea that you know, we, we can actually see him face to face clearly, nothing stopping us. And then the, the passage in love in 1 Corinthians, love never ends. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Just as um, Jesus can look at you and he knows you fully, he knows everything about you, he knows your struggles, he knows your failings, but he loves you anyway. And you will at that time be able to see him and be able to know what he is thinking and experience him. What I can't imagine any more joy than to be fully known by God and be know I'm fully loved. That he's not going to have any surprises. He doesn't have any surprises when he looks at me. He knows everything I've done wrong and everything I will do wrong. He looks at me, he knows me completely, and he loves me completely. What an extraordinary thing. And here, we, our destiny is to be with this person who can look at us and see us completely with eyes filled with love. And we can look back and we can see him in this face-to-face communion. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. So your destiny then... Your destiny is to look into the eyes of Jesus and see them filled with love for you. So my challenge with you is to spend time engaging with Jesus as a human who deeply knows and understands you. And you do that by reading the stories about him. Read the stories and imagine what it would have been like to be there. He came as a human in part 
so that we could have this deep relationship with him. This is one of the reasons why he came. Read the accounts in the Bible until you have a strong image of him in your head. And if you're a Christian, then this is your destiny. So I want to challenge you to do that. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come up now and we're going to close with a song. But just let me, while they're doing that, let me just lead us in prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you came as a baby. You grew up as a child, just as we have. You struggled as a child in the way that we have. You attempted in every way that we have been. And you did that so that you could look at us and understand what it's like to be us. And you did it so that we could have confidence to come into your presence and bring the depth of our hearts, to bring our deepest longings to you and our deepest griefs and our our deepest upsets to you and give them to you because you understand them. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You did this for us. And Lord, we pray that each of us will engage more with you and draw closer to you in these coming days and weeks and years that we will come to have such a closeness with you that we draw with confidence into your presence and enjoy this relationship with you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.